Welcome back to Leafs fans in hostile lands, except this time we are very, very far away from the hostile lands. That's, we are very thankful for that. And obviously. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Took you a second. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you meant yes. Thoughts and prayers, of course, over to Ukraine. Let's hope we can work this out. Uh, props to their leader. Really killing it over there. This is a hockey podcast, so let's just talk about the hockey ramifications of the conflict happening over between Russia and Ukraine, or the uh, instigations think, by Russia. I think we just it's call not it invasion. Two, it's just invasion. That's the word. I think I was invasion for. is the invasion. Word we're for. Yeah, not uh, not it's not, not a, a fair fight. It's pretty one-sided. Yeah, one-sided for right now. Yes. This is not the place to get your news. We're just going to update you on a couple things. Uh, double IHF bans Russia and Belarus. I don't know where Belarus. Like, are they just they're, part, they're incredibly just incredibly tied side? to Russia? Okay, yeah. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Just so it's good that they did, west. you know, enough either research or deep dive or, or, you know, to say, hey, you too, you're you're part of this. So, international hockey, no more for Russia and Belarus until further notice. I'm sure, it, you know, if things get better, that they'll come back. If they don't, peace out. You're not allowed to play in our league anymore. NHL follows with a statement condemning, obviously, the actions made by Russia. They're not going to do much else because they don't have any international plans, like NHL-sanctioned international plans that are in Russia, near Russia, anything like that, so that's fine. But the newest one coming out today is that CCM uh, skates, other hockey apparel is going to stop using Ovechkin, and this is quote on any global CCM communication. However, I think it's all Russian not... players too, isn't it? And then yes, any other Russian oh. players they have, but Ovechkin's Sorry. you know the big one. Yeah. Um, but they did not terminate contracts with these players, including Ovechkin. So the contracts are still there; they're just not going to put them on ads anymore. Basically, they're not going yeah. to openly do that. So that's. I guess an Which, interesting take, but I don't know. What, what do you guys think about this This take by CCM or uh, maybe lack of take towards Russian players in the NHL? Like, what's, what, what, where are we landing here? I mean, Ovi's in a really tough spot. He is not necessarily at war with anybody himself, but he is part of it, like representative of a country that is. So I don't think it's unreasonable to not terminate the contract and just suspend things right now. Um, going forward, you know, if he starts coming out in support of Russia, which I haven't seen at this point yet. Oh, he's but if he's he, team. He's Putin team. So he on, is Putin um, team. But if he comes out in support of war, that would be yes, one thing. Yes, but we've all known what Putin has been for the last decade, and this isn't anything really new. That's fair, but unless he actually starts saying stuff against Ukraine or, or anything like that. I don't know if I could justify terminating contracts, especially with, no, well, you can't because they're legally binding contracts. The yeah. They don't want to get into legal disputes of that, but just to say, we're not using you and we're going to keep paying you. That's, that's easy. That's something yeah, they can exactly. do right now. And they, there's no legal ramifications behind it. And that's, what's happening with Russian, everything around the world right now, as Kyle was saying, the IHA I IHF has banned Russia and Belarus. I mean, Canadian airspace won't allow Russian planes. It's happening everywhere right now as a knee-jerk reaction to the invasion. And I think as time goes on, we'll see different responses metered to how 
much they impact Russia and the player themselves. So, like, in Ovechkin's case, he just plays hockey. If he's not saying anything about it, let him play. Yeah, I don't think we should go as far as, like, what Dominic Hasek was suggesting and, you know, suspending all Russian players from the league because they don't necessarily have anything to do with it. And there's no, like, it's not fair to um, penalize someone like Artemi Panarin from the league when he is clearly not in support of this and not in support of anything that that government is doing. But for, you know, sponsors and whatnot, they only have so much platform that they can do. They've got a lot of money to throw around. And by, you know, pulling out sponsorships, by, you know, saying we're not going to use these players, it's what they can do and use whatever platform you have to do what you can do. And I, I, can, I can commend CCM and any other sponsors for pulling out of these sports leagues and just, like I said, using whatever platform they have at the moment. Yeah, I think the big thing here is to separate the humans from the government that is doing stuff. Ovechkin Absolutely. does not represent yeah. all of the Russian government. He is not actually Putin. Uh, therefore, maybe he shouldn't be penalized as such until, like Dan said, he starts saying things that uh, are not great for the NHL and not great for Russian players and, and so on and so on. So uh, important to to provide that separation there. And, and to be fair, a, nobody in that country voted for Putin. They don't have elections. True. So, yeah, good point. So you really can't penalize the people for what they're doing because they really do not have a say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now for our extremely hard right turn, the Leafs have had... <laughs> The poops this past <laughs> week. We not confirmed by anybody except for Steve Dangle and his hunches, but it makes sense that a couple players left the ice this past week and were held out of lineups and stuff for non COVID related illnesses. So the flu and potentially the poops. Hands well, like up William if you Nylander had the poops scored a goal and walked right off the ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, His goal go. was so good, he shit himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think Nedeljkovic did that. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> By proxy. So uh, I thought we would continue the podcast and probably finish the podcast just providing consistent personal anecdotes of us uh, having the poops. What do you What do you guys think? Is this good content for uh, the podcast? That's exactly what our listeners come for. I have the poops right now. <laughs> he is currently <laughs> pooping. <laughs> so that happened to the Leafs. We're obviously joking. Thank you so much for listening to the yes. podcast. And if you turned it off, we understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Leafs. I don't know. They had some interesting games this week. Interesting games. They had the craziest game. Ever on Saturday. The absolute most craziest game I've ever seen. And you never thought they'd be able to lose a game where they were up 4-1. Okay, that happened a couple times. You never thought they'd be able to lose a game where they were up 5-1. Okay, that happened against (laughs) Sunday. You never thought they'd be able to lose 6-1. I think that's happened in the past against the Blues or something I heard. Yeah, But they were up 7-2. And somehow, our butts, without the poops, were very clinched on Saturday. How? How? <laughs> so many goals. Wasn't and we were incredible. still like, are they going to lose this game? What in the actual poops? So, <laughs> I want to know about your general emotions during this uh, 
Saturday night, 17-goal game against the Detroit Red Wings. Dan, start us off. What what happened? What, what, did, what did you feel? Uh, so I, I'm going to look at it kind of pragmatically. I felt great knowing that our offense can score goals. And, you know, sure, that they went through both their goalies. Like, Grice had a rough go, and then uh, Nadelkovic didn't do very well either. But the the Leafs have offense, and that I feel good about. But the goalie breakdown that I saw was just kind of incredible. I mean, Campbell did not look like himself. I can't remember exactly how many goals he took of those. Actually, I'll just look at it right now. Five. So he took five of that seven. Yeah. I, I got to say, Morazic looked better. Morazic has played pretty decently in his last three games, which have been all him, kind of in all wins. So I, I don't know. It was it was something to witness, but it didn't leave me feeling great. I mean, both teams played like garbage, but we just played less like garbage because we had better offense. So that's kind of how I feel. I don't sure it was fun and it was a, uh, you know, haven't seen that since the 80s, but that's not really the team I want to be watching right now. I want to be watching three nothing wins, three to one wins where we get the offense we need and we defend and our goalies stand up. Craig, you want to see 3 nothing wins, 3-1 wins, or you want to see some 10-7 craziness? What do you want to see in <laughs> hockey? I want to see the three ones. Because honestly, I, I started watching that game and I'm like, oh, it's 2 nothing, and they have two goals and Detroit only has two shots. And I look at my wife and I say, the Leafs are going to figure out how to lose this game somehow. And I come back from dinner. I'm like, it's seven two. Okay, well, I'll just you know throw on a TV show as I, uh, you know, as I'm eating here, and I turn the game back on, and Detroit scores, and the scores again, and the scores again, and the scores again, and I turn the game back off, and <laughs> did something else with my Walk night because I'm like, I just do not have the patience for this right this moment. <laughs> no, I, it it was a very exciting game. But yeah, I would much prefer a low event game compared to that. But great for the Leafs to be able to score 10. Like I didn't, I honestly didn't think that they would have that in them on any night, even on a night that apparently they were not feeling all that great. Last time the Leafs scored 10, I guess was 2007 against the Boston Bruins. So that's fun. Only against original six teams in the past, well, this millennia, I guess. Uh, so that's cool. I like 10-7 games. It was nuts. It was just up and down and up and down. I'm just like, how are they going to? It was 8-7 at one point. How did it get to 8-7? Mm-hmm. And you're just, you're just thinking, they're going to lose. That there's I think no that's saves. why I put my f- phone in flight mode at 8-7. I'm like, no, oh, yeah. no. I'll, figure, I'll, I'll see this at the end. <laughs> you couldn't take the 9-8 to eight loss? I, I watched the no. whole game, and much like many, many viewers, I switched to Steve Dangle streaming around eight six just to see him go nuts and he said he had about four thousand viewers and then once it started to go downhill that bumped up to eight thousand viewers wow <laughs> they no just doubt. they just wanted to see the craziness and and the reaction of it they wanted so, the schadenfreude oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> some obvious breakdowns in the game mostly in goal though i'd say the defense wasn't so bad and the offense was insane, but still mostly that top line. Um, exclamation points to Marner scoring four goals in the game. His first hat trick. Wait, hat trick plus one. Wait, 
here's it's a, a discussion. It's Craig. Craig says it's a hat trick. Dan is four goals still a hat trick. Oh, absolutely. It's just a hat trick with a kicker. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, hat trick, but extra. It's is the it, Matthews it, special. Could it? Be, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> could it be a quad trick, or a, maybe it's a boot trick? You throw your boots on the ice or something. <laughs> Or maybe it seems like a cold walk home. Maybe it maybe it's a bra trick. You just just throwing their bras on the ice. Then maybe. So it's just because it doesn't happen quite as often. So we need to come up with a name. So in the comments, what is what's your favorite name for a four goal game as opposed to a hat trick? Does anyone know the origin of hat trick? Anybody? It's debated. Okay. There, there, there's a lot of stories, but I don't know which one is true. The ones I've heard about hockey. They're like, oh, we came up with this name for hockey, and then it's like, well, no, they've been using it in soccer for decades before that. So, gotcha. I didn't know they used it in soccer. Man, that's got to happen in soccer even less, like way, way less. When was the last was time Murner's scored three goals trick? in soccer? Like a team. When was the last time a team got three goals in soccer? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we 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 got to talk about Campbell in that game. Or at least in general. And is he a fit for the Leafs? Is he going to bounce back? Is this it? Is he even tradable? Does this mess with his contract? Like, what, what do we do with Jack Campbell? Do we trust, continue to trust in Jack? Or, or is, this, is this it? Craig, start us off with Jack. Well, Jack has kind of been reminding me of one of my favorite Batman villains, um, famously played by Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Two-Face, because <laughs> you don't really know which Jack Campbell you're going to get. You're either going to get the Vesna Jack Campbell or you're going to get Vesa Toscala Jack Campbell. There is no in-between lately, unfortunately. And I will give him a bit of a pass on this last game because it sounds like it's very possible he was sick, just like the, a bunch of the rest of them. But you can't ignore the rest of the stats from since, you know, beginning of January, he hasn't looked good. He, his numbers have not been good, except for his record. He's like 13-4-3 or something. Um, but he's had like a 9, 8, uh, 8.93 save percentage, which is just not good enough. And I, he, I think it's in his head, and I don't know if I was saying this to you guys, but it seems to be that he doesn't work well when he's got somebody else as a backup or pushing him for his job. If you think about last year when he went on that great run is when Freddie was injured and he had nobody he had Hutchinson yeah. behind him. Good point. So nobody was going to take that job from him. And then throughout the most of this year, like Mrazic was injured in his first game. Again, he really had nobody pushing him for the job and he was great. And as soon as Mrazic comes back and he's healthy and he's not getting that same rotation, he's kind of just fallen right off. So I don't know if it's just something with, Campbell's confidence, if it's just something about his mental attitude, but something's just not clicking there. I know through most of his career, they've said that Jack Campbell's worst enemy is Jack Campbell. It seems like he gets in his head more than, you know, his abilities. It's more, it, it's just a mental game. And I'm hoping that he can, he can figure it out, but I don't know. It, it's not looking good. And, you know, there's, we're more than halfway through the season. He's got some time to try to figure this out, but there's not a lot of time left. So I'm wondering if it's more of an endurance thing that he's going through. 
He's never played this many games in an NHL season. He, he tops out at, 20, at 31 games uh, when he played with L.A. And he was doing really well then. He had a great season with a 928 save percentage. But right now he's at 38 games. We're just over halfway through the season, and he does seem to be slowing down. I really like what you said, Craig, about when he has somebody kind of catching him up a little bit or he's competing for the position, he kind of slows down or, or maybe it gets in his head a little bit. Just looking at his entire career standings, he's he has a nine one seven save percentage across his entire career, and that's his current year save percentage as well. So he's right on track for how he should be doing. Yes, he went really hot in the start of the year, and now he's kind of cooled off a bit. And as you said, since January, he hasn't looked great. But I, I hesitate to say that we should do anything. We we should start worrying. We know he's a he's an all star class goalie. He went to the all star game. I'm not ready to throw in my hat worrying about him yet. I think he can pull himself out of this, but I don't know what it would take to, for that to happen. So potentially a Mrazic injury is what, <laughs> that's, is what that's we might what need. We need. Yeah. Somebody get out the crowbar. Well, they got the right backup goalie. He gets injured all the time. That is, that is a good point. That's, that's so interesting. I never noticed that um, pattern in Jack Campbell. I've been asking the question a bunch, like, is this going to help him? Is this going to hinder him? And I think we've all, you know, said it's going to help. Like, having a backup so he doesn't have to have such a load on his shoulders is going to help. But I guess it's not. I guess he needs that pressure that he's the only man standing. Yeah. It's this or Hutchinson or this or Joseph Wall. And Joseph Wall is getting better. Sure, that's great. But he's not Mrazic. He's not Campbell. That's very, very interesting. Do you guys think this uh, downspurt is affecting his contract? We've talked about maybe him uh, getting a Bennington contract of $6 million. He could average at around five. He could maybe go down to four. Does this you know, affect him even more, Dan, in terms of what he can ask for for his, uh, his UFA year? I don't think yet. I think we might be nearing a contract conversation that he'd be having with Dubas at the end of the year, but I don't think based on his performance yet, it's fair to say that he should be looking at a lower expected contract uh, next year. I, th I think he's still, as I said, a world-class player. He can make the saves. He, I, I really want to see him in the playoffs to see if he can be a playoff goalie. And I think a lot of it would have to do with how he does in the playoffs, but I don't think it's ready at this point to start talking about his contract. Dan, can you quickly find goalies that are around his similar save percentage? I can do that. Wow, Craig. Uh, do you think giving Jack Campbell a contract before the trade deadline, as opposed to kind of leaving it up in the air, potentially dealing with this after the season, will give him some kind of motivation to get <clears throat> going, or it's just like kind of moot point? I think it might, but... I think it might help him just have one less thing on his mind. But I think, Dan, you're right. I think that they need to, um, like the trade deadline's coming up, and I think you need to see what he can do for the rest of the season. Um, and I don't think, I think you're right, I don't think it's going to necessarily affect the number as long as it isn't catastrophic for the rest of the season. But I think right now it's going to affect the term. I don't think that the Leafs, with uh. the, you know the inconsistent play, I don't think they're going to want to, you know, look at a three, four year contract. 
they might look at say, you know, we'll pay, we'll, you know, you've been good to us. We'll give you the 5 million, whatever that you're probably worth, but it might be a one year prove yourself again. And then maybe you look from there. But like, if he continues like this for the rest of the season, I don't feel comfortable giving him a long-term contract. There's going to be a lot of goalies coming up on the market. There's a lot of teams that are you know strapped for cap space and goalies are going to be moved around again. And I know we, we had Mrazek because a lot of guys have been signed before that, but I, I think that we, it might be a wait and see unless there's going to be a really good trade option out there. And right now off the, I don't know if you've got a, Something coming up here, Kyle, but the only name that's popping to my mind looking at the standings and looking at teams that might be sellers is Flurry. He's the only guy, I think, on any sort of non-playoff team that might be worth trading for at this point. For non-playoff, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Flurry, obviously talks for Gibson have started to ramp up, but I doubt Anaheim's planning on uh, on doing anything about that. Dan, what do you got for similar save percentage or goals against things to Campbell? So, you know, Kyle, I'm really glad you had me look up that list because it's a really interesting list of goalies that are kind of around that 917. So I did plus minus um, 0.5, so, or 0.05, I guess. So what we're looking at is at the top end of that is with 921 save percentage, Vasilevsky. Like, huh. I'm not worried now. I'm no longer worried about Campbell at all. You've got Vasilevsky, Jari, uh, Kemper, Demko, all above Campbell, and then you've got under him, you've got Vanacek, Reimer, um, you've got Bobrovsky, Skinner, Hellebuck, Holpe. We're all, like, all the goalies that are starting leading goalies right now that have 38, 40 games kind of thing are all in that same hub. Um, as you get higher in the save percentages, there's only one or two goalies like Markstrom for Calgary right now or Saros in Nashville that are um, you know, a, a, a little bit of higher in the save percentage, but they're also having spectacular seasons. So looking mm-hmm. at that list, I'm really not that worried about uh, Campbell anymore. And now most for... of those goalies kind of making the, what, the six and a half range? Like Markstrom is yeah. making, what, six, six and a half. Vasilevsky, I think, makes, makes, what, seven? Vasilevsky? Vasilevsky makes 9.5. Oh, geez, okay. Well, he's worth every penny. Yeah, but, so Campbell's so we're, contract's we're great. At, <laughs> Well, we're looking at Campbell as a 917, but that's because we have a 941 Campbell and we have an 893 Campbell. What that's right. are goalies at 893 making? Like, that is 33rd goalie in the league, maybe? Like, I only know at, ninth, at 893, he's a second string goalie. And that's million and a half, two million, kind of someone what he's making right now. Like, I don't know. it. It it depends on which side of that two face that we're talking about. And you're starting to talk about goalies like Grubauer for Seattle. Which yeah. Yeah. We're looking at Seattle goalies at that point. Sorry, just second uh, smoke alarm here. Yeah. Even uh Peter Morazic is nine uh, eight nine five. Yeah. And he's making three point eight. Yeah. And Chris Drieger, three point five. And Mike Smith, similar kind of in the twos sort of thing. Now, Dan, was that a save percentage for this year or save percentage for some of those goalies like No, that's maybe this all year. Time? That's this okay, regular season, yeah. What about like some of their all-time numbers like Vasilevsky and things? So, you know, if we're looking at all-time in terms of save percentage, you know who he's, if, if we're talking career average right now, 
Yeah. He's a couple percent above Brodeur at 0.921 or 912. And cool. right in there with Fleury, Luongo, uh, Luckfist. So he's, I, I think he's pretty comfortable with where he is right now. And I think his contract is way too low right now if we're comparing him to other goalies in that kind of, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's he's making backup goaltender money exactly. right now. Yeah. And uh and he's showed that he's a starting goaltender and, and he can you know, he can get his money. I'm just worried about like six. If he gets six <sighs> Well then we're in trouble. You're right. Then we're in then trouble. We're in trouble. Then we're looking at okay, what's gonna happen with the rest of the team? Because we also have a lot of contracts at the end of this year that are gonna be expiring that we need a lot of money for. Yes. And Riley's getting a boost. And yes, okay, we got rid of Richie and his contract, but man, if we are signing Campbell, it's going to cost a pretty penny, which, you know, every good team right now has an expensive goaltender. So I would say it's worth it. Now, Leonard's only making five. Like, that was a heck of a deal. Mm -hmm. Saros hasn't even come up to his big payday. So... It's it's gonna be difficult for sure, but Markstrom worth every penny, Vasilevsky worth every penny, like uh, Craig said, and so on and so on down the list. Now I want to go to a, a different Leafs player who is potentially up for awards as well. Our young player, Michael Bunting, the Calder yeah, candidate. He is. I can't. He is 26 years old. He is, yes, he Ma- is. Michael Bunting is 26, which means he's older than Matthews. He's older than Marner. He's older than Nylander. He's the same age as Kasha. He's older than Engvall. He's older than Sandine, older than Lilligren, but he's the guy on the Leafs that could potentially win the Calder. Now, just to remind people what's going on with the Calder. To be eligible for the Calder Memorial Trophy, which is, you know, given to a rookie each year, a player (laughs) cannot have played more than 25 games in any single preceding season, nor in six or more games in each of any two preceding seasons in uh, in the NHL. And in uh, 1990-91, a player cannot have attained his 26th birthday by September. So he turned 26 after the beginning of this season which makes him still Calder eligible, and he's never played more than six games in two consecutive seasons or 25 games in one season. So somehow, at the age of 26, he is still eligible for the Calder with players like Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, Trevor Zegris, and Tanner uh, Ginot, I'm not sure if that's how you say his name, really having great years as teenagers or low 20s. This is crazy. Dan, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, Bunting with his history, where he's been, and, and stuff like that? Yep, absolutely. So, as you said, he's 26. He's a local boy, born in Scarborough. And on the Leafs, of course, he's our top-line left wing, shooting left. And contract, he makes a piddly nine fifty uh, for this year and next year, after which he's a UFA. So, 950000 just under a million for him. Drafted in the fourth round by Arizona, he signed three-year entry-level contract with Arizona, and then he played in the AHL for the Tucson Roadrunners, um, who's Arizona's farm team, from 2016-17 to 2021. And he, as you said, Kyle, hasn't played more than 21 games, He was or 25 games. He was called up to play a total of 26 games during that time, 
but they were never at the same time. So he never broke that uh, eligibility for the Calder Trophy. He uh, One really neat thing is he played with uh, Ilya Lubushkin for his two years that he played uh, with the Tucson Roadrunners, which was kind of cool. In his last four years, um, he's averaged uh, 41.25 points per year uh, previous to this year. This year, he's already at 41 points in his 53 games, so that roughly puts him on track for about 65 points this year, if all things continue. He's got the second-best shot on goal percentage of the Leafs at 16%, and Matthews is the leader right now with 16.7. Shooting percentage? Like, yeah, yeah, sorry, conversion percentage, yeah. And he essentially replaces Hyman on the team for way less money than Hyman was making, which is a really great bump for the Leafs, and he's fitting in really well with the team, as we've seen. Craig, do you think he really should be eligible for the Calder, given some of those stats and his age and some of the players that he's up against, like players that are really in their first, first season, just just putting on a show? What do you think? Well, he's never really had a shot in the NHL. Yes, he played for Arizona last year, and he said he played, what, 21 games or something? 21 games. Yeah. He played for Arizona for 21 games. That's basically like playing in the AHL for half a season. Like, he's never really had an <laughs> NHL opportunity at this point. And I think I've said to you guys, Artemi Panarin won at the age of, what, I think, 25 or 26 in his rookie year, yet he had played seven years as a pro in the KHL. So how is that really any different than playing seven years in the AHL? And don't what about this, Craig? Hey, Come on. I'm, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to equal up. Um, I think that he should be eligible to win. I think with all things considered, unless he was far and away the best rookie this season, then I don't think he really has a chance to win it. I think there's a couple other guys that are having great seasons. Like you said, Raymond, who I think has one more point right now. And unless those guys really drop off and Benting stays hot. I don't think he'll really be a serious contender for the Calder. Do you think the rule needs to be changed? No, because you're going to have moments where you have a guy that is like Panarin, who technically ha- is an actual rookie. But if you have a really great season, like Panarin came into the league and he was instantly a superstar. Bunting is a great player. I think he fits in really well with that line. But I think if he played in a line that wasn't with Matthews and Marner, I don't think he would have 41 points. He's not the one driving that line. Yeah, that's a good point. Dan, do you think the rules should be changed? I don't think so. I mean, he he fits into the eligibility criteria. So, you know, if he wins, fantastic. As Craig said, I don't, I don't think he will win. But the criteria is there for a reason. And, you know, really, age shouldn't have that much to do with it if you haven't played in the NHL for a consecutive enough period of time. So I think it's fine. Okay, okay. Age shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's more, you know, have you had your shot in the NHL? And how did you do when given a fair shot? Okay, okay. I was going to be the guy that... He's not throwing away his shot. Oh, don't throw away your He's shot. Not throwing don't ever do that. Shot. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, like, let's just lower it to 24 or something. Like, I feel like we have this image that a rookie should be a kid. Now, 26, I was still a kid. I barely had a, like a career-type job at that point and wanted to still be 19. I still want to be 19. But, like, well, I think that's just our image, that it should be a young player. And then the only thing is that, you know, Panarin beat out McDavid. McDavid should have got the Calder. 
But he got injured, so he had to true had to give it to somebody else, I guess. So okay, okay. Uh, Bunting or Hyman? That's the question that we all love to hate. <laughs> Who would you rather have this year? Don't talk about the cap. Just talk about the player and how they could be contributing to this team. Bunting or Hyman? And again, don't even look at stats because the stats are skewed based on Hyman playing with specific players. Hyman would be playing either on the top line with Matthews or Marner or on that third shutdown line, I think. Dan, Bunting or Hyman? So you don't want me to talk about the cap, but it's kind of something that you can't look past at this point. Now, of course, his next contract... Let's pretend they is, were both making 950 Fair enough. And his next contract's going to be way higher anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would prefer Hyman, only because he's a little bit more rounded, a little bit more able to move interchangeably between any number of our lines, whereas Bunting is really much more comfortable on that top line with Matthews and Marner. Um, supporting him, as Craig said. I don't know if he'd get that same support on other lines, whereas Hyman wouldn't need it. And I think Hyman is a little bit more of a seasoned player, um, maybe even a better player, like more experience gives you more ability to be good. So I would probably go with Hyman if I had the choice, but Bunting is a great replacement. Craig? See, I'm going to have to bring the cap into it a little bit here. So okay, just a little just bit. just a little bit, just to put it in perspective. So, what did Hyman bring to this team? He brought um, the tenacity that he's always go go go. We have that with Kasha now. He was a penalty killing defensive specialist. We've got Conf now. He fit in really well with that top line, and he yes, he got the puck to the guys, but he wasn't really a net front guy. Yes, he got some good banging goals, but that wasn't really his job. And we've got Bunting for that now. And all three of those guys come in under the cap below what Hyman can do. Yes, he was versatile, but the problem was that they would play him on three lines at once, and he just couldn't keep up with that. And by having three That's good fair. value pieces that can fill in that, I think it's a smarter move than having one guy who can do it all. That's an excellent point, and I'm going to take those ones. That's also my opinion. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> those were great points. Hyman. Uh, there was one thing I was listening to, like Hyman is more defensive minded. Bunting, I think, is more offensive minded. Now, saying that, I think uh, Hyman still has more goals this year. Now, he's played, obviously, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they've had one of the hottest PPs, even though the Leafs technically have the hottest PP, but it hasn't looked so great in the past couple of games. But I, I think Bunting, and for a bunch of the other reasons that Craig said, Hyman is now more spread out throughout the lineup. Even with Hyman's previous cap hit, we were able to spread out his talents throughout the lineup a little bit better. So, sorry, buddy. Like, I still like you. You're on my fantasy team. Like, you're great. You're a wonderful human. But we, we, had, to, we had to spread the love a little bit and spread your talents around. You're worth every bit of that $5 million, But, you know, also, Bunting's younger. So, that's, that's that another too. good reason to to want bunting and one other thing about you know not having hyman over the first five years of the matthews marner era hyman was always kind of their babysitter he took all the defensive responsibility for that line at any given time Mm -hmm. by not having him you've seen massive growths in in matthews defensive game this season 
because he and Matt and Marner are now having to be the guys that are going to have to be the defensive minded on that line. They can't rely on Hyman to be for the be there for them. And Matthews is I know people are saying, should he be in the Selkie talk? Should he not? Either way, he is one of the best defensive forwards we have at this point. I think that we've seen large growths in this game because they haven't had that part on the line that, you know, they just have bunting who is always in the right spot. He's always at the net. And those guys who can just make such beautiful passes, they just know where bunting is going to be. He's open. He's clear. He's front of the net. And he's ready to, um, to bang one in like that beautiful one against the caps there last night where Marner just blind look passes after he steals the puck from the guy in the corner straight over to the front of the net. He didn't even look. He just knows that Bunting is going to be in the right spot at the right time and be able to get that goal. Now, do you, do you guys think we've lost anything with the locker room personality that Hyman was? Do you think that's affected the team at all in terms of their confidence, in terms of their ability to rebound? I don't think so. No? We've got that in Campbell? Yeah, well, the exuberance of positivity for sure with Campbell. I don't think Hyman brought anything in the dressing room that any of the guys are not currently bringing in terms of bounce back. And, you know, the fact that Hyman was on all those first round exit teams as well kind of shows that maybe he wasn't the catalyst to bringing them back anyway in that sense. So I think this team, while many, many players are only in their first year or potentially only year with the Leafs, they're really meshing together quite well. Hyman being on the team, he would mesh too. Like it, it wouldn't be a negative, but I don't think he was the glue or anything like that. Fair enough. And let's, uh, Craig, you got something on that? Oh, I was going to say, and just all things aside, going back to the cap, they just couldn't fit him. He's too good of a. Yeah, exactly. He's too. The, being such a versatile player and meaning so much to his team. Over the last five years, he just priced himself out of Toronto, unfortunately. And Bunting might as well oh, after next year. Yes, but we've hmm. got at least one more year to worry about that. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's that's a later problem. Next year's that... a big enough problem anyway. Fair enough, fair enough. Speaking of problems, Muzzin is out. Now, Elliot Freeman did mention on uh, Saturday that the Leafs do not intend to keep Muzzin out uh, until the playoffs if he gets healthy. Like, if he's only out for a month and he comes back, or sorry, he's healthy enough to come back, they will bring him back. If he's out for two months, they'll still bring him back. Playoffs don't start till, what, the end of April or, or May Beginning or something? Of May. Yeah. Yep. Beginning of May. So if he's out, you know, the majority of March, half of April, they're going to bring him back, which is past the trade deadline that is coming up. It's one of my favorites. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um. Is that a good thing that they're not going to keep him out? Or should they try to Kucher off this and just being like, Muzz, stay down, buddy. Let's use your cap hit and bring you back when the playoffs happen. Smart or dumb for this, if it is true? Craig, Dan, never mind, because Craig's mouth is full. Thank you. <laughs> I would say if, if we can keep him going and keep his cap space uh, through playoffs, maybe do that. You know, he's $5.625 million. That's a lot of money that you could use um, in a versatile way. I'm cautiously optimistic with the new D-lines that we've seen so far. And 
I mean, Hall scored a goal, so that's great. But again, he was playing like a forward. So I don't know if what we're seeing defensively right now is something that can last. But, you know, if the, the players that we have right now, I mean, it was kind of weird to see Lilligren on the top line with Riley. But if that can continue and continue to produce some wins and really support our goalies, because our goalies are struggling right now. If your goalies are struggling, the defense needs to step up and be the backstop before the goalie. And if our team can do that right now, then sure, you know, extend Muzzin's injury as long as you can. But if not, um, I, I'd probably be more comfortable with Muzzin coming back if our defensive pairings right now fall apart. Speaking of those pairings, um, pretty cool and pretty new. Riley Lilligren. That's fun. Yeah, that was Brody good. Hall. I think that's what Hall needed. Brody on the and left. Brody on the left. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. which is very, very cool. Jinx, Yomi Cook. <laughs> uh, and Sandine Labushkin. So Sandine kind of given the new guy, Labushkin, very defensively minded, really hard hitting. I've been really impressed with what he's doing. Yeah. You know, a couple mistakes, but, you know, you're a Leafs defenseman. That comes with the territory. <laughs> Sandine may be struggling a little bit more, except for his awesome play. Uh, last night, scoring a goal, that was super cool. But around the ice, he doesn't seem quite as noticeable and on that trajectory that we've been seeing all year. But the big one is Lilligren on the top line with Riley. Craig, do you think this is a good thing on that top line? I'll give you a second to, to answer the other question after. But uh, Lilligren on the top line, good, bad? Do you think it'll last or or what? Well, the first thing I thought of when I saw that was I'd heard that Vancouver has called about Lilligren and his availability. I know there's been talk about JT Miller going over, and I'm wondering if this might just be the Leafs giving him the shot to see what can he do and see if they can raise his trade value. Or see if he can sink or swim. And if he doesn't work, then maybe he needs more time to, you know, for them to evaluate what he can do. But they're not going to get the value for him if they're going to keep him on the third pair. And by showing him off on that top pair with Riley, it's just see what he can do and see what he's worth. And to follow that up, do you think if he does really well, the Leafs are more likely or less likely to trade him? Well, he is a, a right side defenseman, which they have needed for a long time. He does have a good upside. I think it would be a, they would have to have a really good return to get him back. I don't think they're going to be trading him for picks or anything like that. If they can trade him for either a, you know, a big power forward or a goalie you know, or a, <laughs> sorry, well, yeah, or possibly a goalie or it, it would, like I said, it would have to be a really good return to, to move on from him because he still is young. He still has a lot of time to grow and I would hate to see him move on, but if it's going to mean getting someone like a JT Miller with some salary retained, that might be what it takes to get him. And the Leafs, surprisingly, that right side is not that bad right now. Between Brody, now we've got Labushkin. I know, I think he's a UFA at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, Hall has not looked bad this week. I think maybe he just needs the right partner. And we've been saying all season that Muzzin hasn't looked right. And maybe that's really what has hurt Hall more than anything. 
he's been trying to take too much on his shoulders. And by playing with Brody, who is defensive minded, it's allowed Hall to play like the player he was when <laughs> he first crease. came up. <laughs> Think when he first came up, he had that beautiful end to end rush and scored a goal. He is a Riley light and they haven't been playing him like that. Last year, he was a great shutdown defenseman because we were playing in the North Division, which we said all year, it's not fair to say, oh, it's just the North Division. And then we saw the playoffs and we realized, yeah, the North Division wasn't all that good. <laughs> so I think we're now seeing Hall for what he is. And I think if they can play him as a offensive defenseman, I think he can succeed. But I don't think he is a shutdown guy. And by having a guy like Labushkin, I think it may make Lilligren a little bit more expendable as a um, as an offensive right-handed defenseman. Plus, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, sorry, go. I was just going to say having Lilligren on the top line makes a lot of sense because anybody can really play with Riley. Riley's versatile enough that he can adapt to whatever kind of player you put on the opposite side of him. So if they're either shopping him around for a better contract for next year or if um they're shopping him for a trade or whatever they're doing uh riley's a good pairing for him so I, it's it's exciting to see him on that line didn't work for tyson berry <laughs> for fair, fair point almost everybody now i just looked and i i okay, almost uh i didn't know this sandine and logren are both rfas next year i thought yeah. there was a gap for some reason so if Lilligren plays too well, he may play himself out of a contract. And it, like Craig mentioned, it might be better to get some more assets back for him. In that sense, I don't want to see him go. I've always kind of been rooting for him. And, and you know, it was Sandin Lilligren. It was like two scanning. Are they, they're both Swedish, right? Are they Finnish? I can't remember. They're Swedish. They're both Swedish. Like, that'd be so cool if they came up the Leafs ranks together on similar contracts. And they contributed, and even if they played on the same lines, like that'd be so cool. That'd be legacy stuff. But you know, it's it's a business. It's a business. You know, if he does play that well enough that he is able to shop himself out of the contract he's currently in and move on to somewhere else, I think that would be really good for the Leafs and give them a really good chance at a playoff run. And I'd rather see that than worry about his contract next year. I guess, but it it all depends on what you get back. Of if course. it is JT Miller that you get back, now you have a hole in defense. You need to fill that. You have a hole, not a hole. Like, <laughs> we also have. Well, we already have a hole. We haven't talked about Dermot. <laughs> yeah. Dermot it can still slot back in there. I know he's not. That's true. Our uh, best option, but he's still a decent third pairing guy. Yeah, but Lilligren might be a first pairing guy. Potentially, that's a that's a good potentially because his next contract's not going to be world ending. It's going to be two million. Maybe if he plays himself yeah. really well, two million for three years, bridge deal. If he continues to improve, then sure you deserve Riley money. Great, go for it. But it, it's it's not going to be crazy. It just might be something that the Leafs can't handle. I don't want that to happen. However, very quickly, do you guys want JT Miller to happen for the Leafs? Let's start off with. No salary cap stuff. I know it's difficult <laughs> to remove from your brain, but do you want him? And is there a fit for him on the Leafs? Uh, Dan, go ahead. I mean, uh, absolutely I want him. Looking at his stats, he's consistently in the really quite high numbers. I mean, this year he's already got 60 points. Absolutely. On but Vancouver. the problem is, 
on Vancouver. Good point. But yeah, the problem is incredible. he's five point two five. Like we're not doing that yet. That it's way too that much. That is the money. next question. It <laughs> okay. is the next question. <laughs> you can't ignore the cap on these things, though. I mean, I know, but does where does he fit? Start with that. Where does he fit? I mean, he's probably going to be second line left wing, second line yep. Kerfoot replacement. Yep, exactly. Like that's the only place you can really put him. I think our third line becomes a second line. Like that, or, yeah, know. first, second, second, third. Yeah, you could do that too, but something. I like mean, that. I think that that's where the like, cap problems come in, though. That's fine, but I think Miller would be great to give that second line some life. I'm not saying Kerfoot's been bad, but JT Miller is better. And then, and then the second power play might actually have some life as well. You got some some movement. That second power play is is not good. Like there's there's Spezza. And sometimes Sandine and everybody else is like, "What do I do?" Because we don't have Riley or uh, it doesn't look Richie great. on that uh, net front anymore. That's what's doing it. That's exactly Instantly, it. I've been meaning to get Richie. to that for fifty plus minutes. No. <laughs> okay. Ra- okay. Raise your hands if you miss Richie. Nothing. Okay. Uh, he's he was a great human. <laughs> Crickets. Yes. Uh, Love his Coca Cola. Okay, Craig. Let's start with you. Obviously, the price is going to be high for someone like JT Miller, especially with the season he's having. And on potentially a manageable cap hit, what is it, five something? Five and a quarter. Okay. So for this year the and price, next year. The price is generally going to be high. Craig, do you think it's worth it to pick up someone like him for a price like that? And, and what are some of the prices we're seeing? Would it be worth to pick him up at that five and five and a quarter? I don't think the lease will fit in under the cap, but I think if it were to evolve, involve maybe a curve foot going in the other direction. Now he is a Vancouver guy. He's a BC guy. He might be more than happy to do that trade. And if we threw in a sweetener, like let's, I'm going to say like a Nick Robertson or something like that might be what it takes <laughs> to get some salary no. retained. Maybe we can get him down to three and a half million, which case he's an even swap in and out with Kerfoot. He's a, you know, obviously has a higher upside than Kerfoot. Yes, we may lose that penalty kill prowess that Kerfoot has, but we do have a lot of really good penalty killers on this team. I think that moving, pulling one of those guys out is, isn't going to hurt us too much at the end of the day. And at this point, I think we saw with that Detroit game, Toronto might just need to outscore their problems. That might be just all they have, because <laughs> if they can't trade for a goalie and they can't, you know, significantly upgrade their defense, Maybe they just need to outscore their problems, and maybe that's what they need to do because, you know, a decent scoring forward is probably the easiest thing to find in this league uh, compared to a top-four defenseman or an all-star goalie. Okay, Dan, go ahead with your cap shenanigans. I don't want Miller. I think we're fine on offense. <laughs> it's just, I like, I Never don't be too good. remember a game. Okay, but I don't remember a game, and I'm just looking quickly here through the last chunk of schedule. The Leafs haven't scored less than two goals more than once or twice. So we are scoring goals. Goals aren't the problem. Our penalty kill is great. Our power play is fantastic as well. The problem we're having is defense and and goalie as a combination in my mind. So bringing in Miller... I don't see that as solving a problem. I see that as tweaking a team that doesn't need to be tweaked. Whereas we really do need to focus on goalies. Now, if it was some kind of crazy package deal where we get Miller and a goalie somehow and giving away half our team, 
you know, maybe, but <laughs> I just don't see it working in favor of the Leafs right now when we're trying to put together our best playoff team that we've had. The price might be too high for a goalie. Like it might just be unobtainable to get a goalie that is going to be a significant upgrade over Campbell or um or Morazic or maybe even Carter Hutton. But, really, but is that a playoff strategy? Going when, just it, when was the last time goals? you saw a goalie traded at the trade deadline? Exactly. Yeah, fair enough. Now, like like I said, it's, if if there really isn't happen. a trade out there for a like, yes, I'd prefer to have defensive help. Yes, I'd prefer to have upgrade on goaltending. But if there's not out there, then add to your strength and outscore your problems. Because what was the what was the Leafs' number one problem in the Montreal series? Nobody scored. They couldn't score. Yeah. It wasn't the issue. Like it wasn't Montreal never scored more than what three goals in a game. Like it wasn't defensive. It wasn't the goaltending. It was the fact that they couldn't score because they were relying on two or three guys to do it. If we can just add that extra depth, look at Tampa. Look at the Tampa and the teams that they've won over the last season. Look at their third line between what was it, Coleman, Goodrow, and Palat? Nope. Yanny Gord. That was a scoring angry rough third line and to have that kind of scoring depth yes they had some good defense but you knew that they were going to score any game and all you need is passable goaltending and passable defense if you can score six goals every game we've we've seen that the Leafs can you know score well and just add on to that and maybe they can score their way to you know the Stanley Cup final but but just on that Craig if if the Montreal series is any indication and scoring is a problem. The other side of that is also true in that we got too many goals scored on us for the amount of goals we scored. And so we should be looking at the other side, the defense, the goalie side, rather than the offense, because we know the offense can produce. Whereas I think the problem in Montreal was a red hot goaltender. Yes, but you can't just pluck a red hot goaltender out of nowhere. Because the problem is, Fair I don't, enough. I just don't see I know a yeah. top tier goaltender coming to the Leafs right now because those top tier goaltenders we'll are, on, are on playoff teams right now <laughs> and those playoff teams aren't going to be sellers it doesn't happen every day that a New York Rangers who is in a playoff spot is just going to start selling uh, so I, yeah, I just don't know I, I get what you're like, saying I, I, I'm just trying to rack my brain for goalies that are having decent seasons that are on non-playoff teams and literally the only one I can think of is Flurry. And that cost might be too high. I don't think they're going to get him for the same cost that Chicago got him from Las, uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> like, sure, if, if we could get him for a name in AHL Dermot. mental, <laughs> like if we could trade him for metal, then sure, I would, I would love to do it. But I just don't see the option out there. I want Miller for the grit. I think he's, you know, the Felino we should have got. <laughs> sort of thing. He's younger. He is a tenacious player. He's the kind of player that you notice every time he's on the ice for Vancouver. The main problem is next year. Because then you've got two eleven million three eleven million dollar people, a seven million, and then a five point two five on offense. And everybody else has to be a million or less. There would have and to be a little bit of contracts that there. are coming up. I, probably, which means you're probably throwing in more and more and more, and, and it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's why you're th- looking at someone like so, Robertson in a pick, because Robertson is, you know, he's on an entry-level contract. Vancouver is going to have some security, 
They've got some other guys they're going to probably want to re-sign over the next couple of years because they're in cap hell and they're not a good enough team to be in the kind of cap hell that they're in. They're going to be looking to unload some some salary at some point and they're going to want some guys. They're going to have a little bit of security in their cap hits. True. Okay, we're done. We got to be done. We started a new thing on Instagram. It's called Your Hostile Take. Uh, play on words for your hot take. And we're just going to be asking you guys questions throughout the week. So we want to hear from you. I want to give a shout out to our buddy, 5 out of 7. I can't remember where he commented. It was on the Jack Campbell one. I believe we met this uh, gentleman during our Sens game uh, interviews. 5 out of 7 responded to the Jack Campbell post. Turns out he did not get his mojo back. But he did say, excited to see uh, the episode about this game. So... You know what? That's so cool. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. And we, uh, we really appreciate you listening. We're going to skip a bet this week because we don't have any time left, and that's okay. We'll, we'll rack up the money. Maybe we'll do a triple next time. Ooh, we're exciting. already carried over for a double. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that nuts? But we do have four games this week against all non-playoff teams, so that's pretty cool. Sabres, Canucks, Blue Jackets again, ugh, and <laughs> the Kraken. Which is cool. Kraken are coming to town. We get to see the uh, yeah, the visitor excited. jersey. And actually, there's there's quite a few non-playoff teams coming up as well. So that's going to be some exciting hockey. We talked about a lot of leave things today. Thank you so much for listening. Gent, anything uh, last minute before we go? No. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. <laughs> go Leafs, go. <laughs> I like that one. I'm going to keep bringing that one back. Everyone's still okay. on. I like that one. <laughs> Beautiful cop. Don't forget to poop. You got to poop. <laughs> Get those poops out of you. <laughs> well, and that's your... what the Leafs are doing now rather than in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting their poops. <laughs> you don't want to hit with the runs in the middle of a playoff streak. <laughs> then it's a literal you, you playoff streak. You want to go streak. on a run, not have the runs. That's right. Exactly. <laughs>